Welcome to the Joy Bruce Audio Podcast. Lady Reverend Dr. Joy Bruce is a blessed daughter of Bishop Dag Heward Mills and the pastor of the First Love Church, ADSE. These messages contain practical wisdom that will transform you and provide focus and direction for your life. Listen and be blessed as she shares with you wisdom from the Word of God. go way back. I also want to thank my husband for the permission to be here. He's the one person if he had said, oh no, you can't go. I mean, that was it. But what is happening is that um, Bishop Doug has a ministry. It's called Doug Hayward Mills Ministries. It comprises the Healing Jesus Crusade, which moves around the world. And it also comprises the literature campaign. And the literature campaign, there are 20 of us who travel everywhere, and we just come in to be a blessing with the books that he has written. These are books for the well-being of the church, for the promotion of the ministry. You will find things in there to help you. Now, over the past couple of years, we have been going around introducing what is called the Macarius. Macarius simply means um, the library. And this is a library that we have brought all the way to Sunyani to talk to you about. Hallelujah. Amen. So I will get into that. I also want to salute Reverend Musa. I was so happy to hear the, Pastor Musa, the um, testimony that you gave to him. And also to thank your spiritual father. And one of the fathers I respect so much, Reverend Istudanaba. Amen. By whose permission also I am here. The angel of this house, Reverend Alex, honestly, he is an icon in Fountain Gate. So if you didn't know that your pastor was an icon in Fountain Gate, then I came to say it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, it's a good place to clap. Oh. It's a good place to clap. Amen. Many times when we see a good thing, we take it for granted. And we say, oh yeah, it's normal. It is not normal, especially in these days. To find a man who attaches his destiny to another man and says that I'm going to walk with you and be with you. And through all the changing scenes of life and he's still there. I don't remember which year it was that we got to know him. But as he's moving up and down, I can see that the energy is not lowered. The strength is not lowered. And I believe that like Caleb, he will say, I was 40 years old when they gave me my place. I'm 80 years old now. My strength is not diminished and my anointing is even higher. God bless you, Sam. Thank Thank you so much for this platform. It is awesome to stand behind this international pulpit. Wow. Amen. This morning, I have just about 30 minutes to introduce one subject to you, but I believe that it is a subject which right now in the body of Christ is so needed. And as I introduce it to you, I will also go back and forth between these books because, you know, Often, I don't know if you've heard it or if you have said the same thing. If you have said such things today, may you repent in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are a people who love to watch things. And we love to hear things. We don't like to read things. But when you do not read, and your own father is an author, a mighty author. I have all his books standing there. And I go and I pick one. The Love Revolution, that big millennium one, I have that one as well. Amen. Why? Because books are a way by which God blesses a people. Often we don't see it because um, we see the other more dramatic things. But let me just give you two quick examples or three quick examples from the Bible. 
When Joshua was on the verge of entering into the thing God had for him to lead the children of Israel to go into the promised land, I would have thought that because of the wars he had to fight, that he would be introduced to somebody who can give him fighting strategies. Please, are you agreeing with me? But what did the Lord say? This book of the law. This book of the law. We call it Bible. In those days, it was book. This book of the law shall not depart from out of thy mouth. The Bible says that he told him, meditate on it. Be diligent to do what is in there. And you will have good success. And you will prosper. I believe that in the pages of the books, there is prosperity. Hallelujah. In the pages of the books, there is success. But it is there for the one who will take the time to sit and to read it. Let me give you example number two. Example number two is found in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel, as we know, was a major prime minister. He was a prophet. He was a prayer warrior. And this man sat down and studied the writings of Jeremiah. And that is why when he wanted to pray, he wanted to pray, he wanted to go into a time of prayer that will actually yield fruit. He didn't just send a missile. You know the kind of prayer meetings that we have. Where is it landing? <laughs> Please ask your neighbor, where did it land? Where did that missile land? <laughs> but to be sure that his missile was well targeted and landed well, the scripture says in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2 that he found through the writings of Jeremiah, the books written by Jeremiah, exactly where they were standing as at that point in time. Example number 3, Revelation chapter 10. In Revelation chapter 10, we meet, please take us to Revelation 10 and verse 1. We meet a very lovely angel, a mighty angel. The scripture says that he was clothed with a cloud. Tell the lady by you, you are clothed beautifully, but I'm not sure that it's like a cloud. Tell the gentleman by you, you are looking very honorable, sir, but I don't think, I don't think, I don't think it's like a cloud. It goes on to say that a rainbow was on his head. Are you by a lady with beautiful hair? Tell her, but still, it's not like the rainbow. This one was more, more impressive. The Bible says his face was like the sun and his feet were pillars of fire. Why did the Lord take such a mighty angel? Verse 2 tells us that this man was so mighty, this angel was so mighty, one foot was in the sea and the other was right here in Sunyani. A mighty angel. I believe that God wanted us to be very sure that he had sent this angel. Because there are some angels who look like people. Otherwise, the scripture will not have said that we have entertained them unawares. The reason why we entertained them unawares was that they looked like us. But God wanted them to be so sure that this is an angel he sent. And look at that. He had a little book open in his hand. As you have come from the presence of God, angel, please come and speak to us and let us know what you are coming to say. He came with the book. And he did not say anything. Verse 8 of the same chapter. The revelator John says that he now hears a voice from heaven saying, go to the angel and take the book. And it is only when he goes to take the book from him that in verse 9 the angel speaks. There is a word of God that will come to you, but it will only come to you in the day that you take a certain book written by a servant of God and you put it down and you open it. And as you are reading the pages, God will speak to you. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. And so in the verse 9, he goes on and he goes to the angel and now the angel speaks to him and he tells him, this book, eat it. You know, you can read a book cover to cover. When you close it, they ask you what's the title of the book. You say, um, 
What was in the book? Uh, um, you don't remember. But when you eat a book, it means you have sat by the book, you have studied the book, you have stayed with the book. To eat something means to let it be part of you. Hallelujah. You have eaten it until it is part of you. And the angel said to him that he should take the book and eat it. Amen. I believe it's verse 13. The last verse in this book tells him something. After he ate it and he came, then the angel says, Now you will prophesy to nations, to kings, to peoples. You know, somebody, as you are listening this morning, there is a book. When you take it and dwell by it, your ministry will go to another level. That is when doors will open, nations, kings, kingdoms, different people. Hallelujah. It takes something to be standing and preaching to people of an, who are not your people. It takes another level of the anointing. Amen. But as you stay by a book, and this morning I've come to you with 60 of them. Hallelujah. 60 of them. A Sunday morning doesn't give me the opportunity to say as much as I could have said, but I want to just enter deep into one of the sets of the books, which is the loyalty set. And I want to speak to you briefly on loyalty. I'll be speaking to you from this particular one, but there are several more. Amen. Why have we chosen the topic loyalty? Or why have I chosen it this morning? It's simply because so much is going on in the body of Christ. And I think that it is almost an alarm bell. Amen. It's almost an alarm bell that we are ringing. Why? Because loyalty is faithfulness. And I think you will agree with me that as time is progressing, faithfulness is becoming more and more and more of a rare commodity. Fewer and fewer and fewer faithful people. That's why somebody like your pastor and his wife are treasures to Reverend Eastwood. Amen. Because to be faithful, it means to come. What to be constant. How you were, you are still like that. What you were saying before, you are still like that. Are you in the house this morning? Uh, excuse me, oh please. Me, I'm a preacher to young people, so I enjoy the a little activity. Is that okay? I know that we are now meeting and all that. But please, don't be down. Hey. You know, in my church, when you sleep, somebody will pour water on you. <laughs> this morning, won't do any such thing. But I believe that we, we need to sit up a little in the kingdom of God. We need to sit up. There is a lot of unfaithfulness. People who are not constant to their God, not constant to their pastor, even within the home, not constant to each other. When I say constant, I mean not faithful. Not faithful to each other. Amen. And many times we think, oh, minus me. Well, this morning, I just came to show you one or two things that can happen. And you see that you are inside. Tell your neighbor you are inside the preaching. <laughs> you are inside the preaching. Let's start with the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. Let me keep my eye on the clock. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. It's a very simple scripture. And it says... Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Amen. That a man be found faithful. It is required in a steward. A steward is somebody to whom something has been given. And as you sit in the church, there are so many of us who have been given something. And we use this as something that God has given to us to worship him. Musicians, singers, ashes, the women's fellowship, or even just being a member. 
something has been given to you. And the scripture says that if you are a steward, you need to be faithful. You have received something from outside of yourself and you need to be faithful with it. Now, I notice, and I'm sure you have noticed it also, that one of the favorite pastimes now of the church is to go to the meetings where Mehriso, I'm jumping and catching. No problem. Jump and catch. But I'm coming to read two scriptures to you. (laughs) Three verses to you. Which may show you why for all your jumping and catching, you have not caught as much as you want to catch. Or you have caught everything. You are okay. So that I'll pack my... Oh, please, on this side. Are you okay? Uh, uh, You are... (laughs) Let's look back in the word of God. Luke chapter 16. I'm reading verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Mm. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So, if, as Alex says, well, the job that I have for you is that somebody has to be cleaning the toilet. And the script, it says in the least. Well, in the church, I'm not sure which job is below that one. Or, or there's another one below. But let's, I think that one is the lowest. You see, many of us will say, ah, he doesn't respect me. What, what, what is that? Please, am I speaking the truth or not? But the Bible says that that which is the least, if it is given to you and you do it diligently, then when much is given to you also, you'll be diligent. Yeah, that's why many people who were the ashes in the church and the, and the, and the carriers of the instruments are the ones who are the pastors and bishops today. Yeah. They were doing the least. You know, when you are carrying things and you are sweating. <laughs> Pastor, there was one gentleman in my church. He said that he was of marriageable age. Nothing was happening. He said because the girls see him sweating and carrying things to the church every Sunday. Are you here? Yeah. And it's like, because you are doing the least. But God lifts up those who are doing the least faithfully. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So from today, whatever it is that's been given to you, don't look down on it. Rather, by your attitude, lift it up. I said, by your attitude, lift it up. Make it something. Make people actually believe that the best job that there is in the world is cleaning the loo. Suddenly, people will even be struggling with you for that job. Because, and you will move on because the scripture says, also when much is given to you, you will do well. But let's look at another scripture. Same passage, verse 12. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? Hey. If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's. So if you are here and our pastor has called you to do something, you need to do it faithfully. Otherwise, who will give you your own? Nowadays, we see the splitting of churches. Splitting, 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 splitting. But when they go, often they don't succeed. And this is usually the reason why. Something was given to them. They were not faithful with it. So now as they have gone to another place, what they are doing has not worked. But today I came to talk with you and I'm just going to give you three very quick points. What is it that will take you as a faithful church member, as a faithful worker, as a faithful assisting pastor, as a faithful assisting worker in the church? What is it that can take you out of here? When you know what can take you out, my prayer is that you decide to be in. Amen. The devil is not a fool. 
He doesn't just come and stand there. You know how the diagrams are with the ears and the horns and things and the tail and say, oh, let's go out of the church. He knows you will never follow him out. Yeah, he knows you never follow him out. So he has to find another way to take you out. Another way to make you changeable. Another way to make you not constant. I want to refer briefly to the story in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. I just want to show you a very quick thing over there. Have you noticed that when the prodigal son from verse 11, Luke 15, 11, going down, when this boy asked his father, the Bible says that certain man, he had two sons, one of the sons came and said, I want everything. We don't know whether it was wrong or right. We don't know what their culture was or how it is. How? Because the Bible says that when the boy said, give me my portion, it says, and he divided unto them. So the younger boy got, the older brother also got. Are you here? Then the next scripture says that the, the next verse, verse 14, says that, um, verse 13, I beg your pardon. Not many days after that, the younger man, son, gathered everything. Please, can I come around here? Is that okay? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm sure, Pastor, you have been running occasionally. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Now, I just need to show you something. Because both of these sons were in the house. Then one of them got a funny idea. I want my inheritance now. The father didn't quarrel with it. He shared the money to the two of them. The older brother stayed there. He was constant. How he was was how he was. He never left. You know, we meet him at the end of this story where he was protesting that he had not received anything. And he was saying that because he had remained faithful. He had always been there. But the younger son, he is the one who concerns me this morning. The Bible says that not many days after he received his inheritance, he changed. He said, ah, if I have all this, I can go far away. And you know, many times in the kingdom, I don't know if it happens here. The pastor has called a young man. The young man suddenly realizes that he's anointed. He has touched one human being. The human being has fallen down in speaking tongues. He is prayed for one and one has been healed. The man said, hey, Sana, you have been sitting on my calling. I'll see you later, alligator, in a while, crocodile, and out. Is it happening or it's not happening? What has happened? He has discovered that he has something. He has an inheritance and that thing has made him change. He was a faithful son. He was working, was saying that, oh, pastor, I believe you. You are my father. You are my daddy. Nowadays, when you hear the word daddy cry, you look up and you wonder. You wonder. What daddy do you walk with and then you are holding a knife behind him? So when he's not looking. Hey, are you there? The thing that changed this young man was that he had gotten hold of something. May what God blesses you with not be the reason why you change. I said, may it not be the reason why you change. Some people, you are faithful, you are in the church all the time, you are coming, you are the encouragement to the Lord, and then God blesses you with a job. And when you get that job, it is true that sometimes something, something's changed by virtue of time. But if your heart has not changed, no matter how much time the job is consuming, you are constant. You are faithful. How you wear is how you wear. Hallelujah. But some of us, as God blesses us and you have a job, and suddenly you are wearing the high heels. You who used to dance here. In fact, the dancing was interesting. I was trying to record it. Suddenly, nowadays, you say, 
Then they'll say, dance. They say, what has changed? What has changed? Now there you are feeling too big. I said, now you are feeling too big to dance. Be constant before God. Hallelujah. If you were dancing when you were small, as God lifts you up, be dancing. Amen. If you were dancing when you were not married, now that God has blessed you with a husband, God has blessed you with a wife, be dancing. If you were dancing when you didn't have a child, today put your baby on their back and come dancing. I said put your baby on your back and say, come dancing. Hallelujah. If you were a chorister before, be a chorister now. Hey. I'm waiting for the day that I will see men with white hair on the bass. Men with white hair on the drums. Because they have been drumming since they were children. And they have stayed constant. What normally happens? Hey, now dear, the way I am. But it should not be so. It should not be so. I'm reminded of one precious gentleman. He was a student when he started playing the bass. He became a doctor. He's still playing the bass. He became a specialist. He's still playing the bass. God has elevated him. He's still playing the bass. You go into the church, he's still in that place. Of course, he has a little more authority and he has to juggle his time. But he hasn't yet said, oh, Charlie, this is now for the small boys. Tell your neighbor, small boys don't exist in the kingdom. We are all small boys and small girls to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. So what is it? I just have time to give you one point. My book gives you about seven or eight points. Seven or eight stages by which somebody begins to leave. Because it's a process. Very few people wake up and say, eh, media, my bread. I won't come to Pastor Alex Church again. No, it's a process. It's a process that takes somebody from the front of the church to the back and then out. It's a process. Today I have just time for one, one main point. And I want to talk to you about evil independence. Evil independence. It's not every independence that is good. Evil independence. Can you imagine a young man who is going to school, who wakes up one day and says, I don't need my father anymore. (laughs) Evil independence. He looks at his father and says, Daddy has got a beard. I also have a beard. Daddy is tall. I'm taller. Daddy is big. I'm bigger. Eh. Daddy has a base. I have a bigger base. Hey, but it's happening. It's happening. Independence. This morning, I came to share with you that we are not created to be independent. Mm. We are not created to be independent. Are you here? It's a sign of a decline in a marriage when the man and the woman are independent of each other. That marriage is finishing. Hey, you are very quiet again. Uh, please, for is that how you are? Okay, I'll, I'll work with it. Because I'm now shouting like your pastor, I can't, I'll try, but it won't work. <laughs> Hallelujah. When a student says he's independent of his school, his schooling is about to end. Yeah. You know, my son is one of our student pastors, and he preaches to some people. They're hostile where he is. Hey! It's incredible, though. There are some people that they don't go to school. They are there 24-7. Yeah, they don't go to any class at all. Some of them, even the exams, they dodge. Don't ask me how they continue to be there because they are still there. In our time, they would have sacked them, but they are still there. But it's like, you know, so a student who is independent of the school, they say, come for lectures at this time. They say, I won't come. He's on his way out. Is it true or it's not true? A worker who is independent of the work, 
And they say, come at seven. You say, I'll come at nine. You are on your way out. Amen. Because God did not create us to be independent of authority. And I want to just take us through a couple of scriptures to prove the point. Let us go to Exodus chapter 3. Maybe I can hold this. Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to give you Old Testament examples and New Testament examples. Because some people will say, oh, it's in the Old Testament. It's still Bible. Amen. Without the OT, New T, NT will not even be there. The Bible says in verse 7, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good land and a large one and to a land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. So God has stated his purpose. This was the call of Moses. And he was telling Moses what he had come to see. And he said, I, God, I have come down. Let's go to verse 10. In verse 10, he now says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. I thought God said he was going to do it. Hello? I, I don't know if you understand where I'm going with this. Yeah. I thought God said he was going to do it. We read in the scripture, I, God, I have come down to see how the thing is. Hey, please, I need a young man to use as an example. A young man, please, can one young man come to me, please? With all due respect. This is a good man. Your pastor says you are a good man. Forgive me for using you as an example this morning. This is Moses. I will just act for God temporarily. And I'm telling you, I have come. The people are suffering. So I have come to deliver them. Amen? So, as you are listening, I'm sure you are expecting that then I will go. Uh, Why not? Then I now turn and say, because I have come, you go. (laughs) or you don't understand what I'm saying God is God and yet he chooses to work through a man I have seen I have come I've come to deliver them but go if you say you are independent of Moses what is going to happen to you it's just a question what will happen to you it means that you will not be delivered though and you are still there, oh God, deliver. God, help us. God. But God heard you. When he heard, he actually came. Came to look at everything. Then he said, go. That's why I say, we can't say we are independent. We cannot say. I'm continuing, please. Be there for, no, oh, please don't go away. Because he's going to change character shortly. <laughs> There's another scripture. Let me find my bearings. Genesis 20. Genesis 20, there was a king there called Abimelech. And please, can I have another young man? Please, one more young man. Thank you, sir, for for being a young man. Amen. I hope you will not mind being Abimelech today. Thank you very much. So he is Abimelech, and suddenly he has become Abraham. Abimelech didn't know. And he said, oh, uh, Abraham's wife was very nice. He didn't know it was his wife. So he tried to handle her. Then God appeared and said, hey, what do you think you are doing? And Abimelech said, I'm sorry, I didn't know. The man said, it's his sister and all that. Please, I've not touched it. He said, ah, watch again. God is speaking to the man. Then the Lord says, go to 
Abraham. And tell Abraham to ask me to forgive you. Uh, I don't know if you understand me what I'm saying. I said we are not created to be independent. God was having the discussion with Abimelech. Could he not have just finished the issue here? Where does Abraham even come into the whole story? Wow. But God says, go, God was talking to him. Go to Abraham and tell Abraham to tell me. Hey! Is this in your Bible like that? Then you now wake up and say, oh, but I'm independent. What's going to happen to you? Let me come into the New Testament. Please, I hope you don't mind still standing. Let me arrive in the New Testament so that those eyeing me will not eye me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. I'm just trying to prove the point that we are not independent. Because some people say, oh, but you are worshipping a man. We are not talking about worshipping a man here. It's not worshipful. I'm just saying that we are not independent of the authorities that God has given to us. If you are in the house, the authority is your father. If you are in the church, the authority is your pastor. Hallelujah. We are not independent of them. So when you do certain things, you are unfaithful towards them. Let's go down to Acts chapter 10. The Bible says that there was a man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was somebody who feared God. And the scripture says in verse 3, Acts 10 and verse 3, he saw in a vision, evidently in the night, by the ninth hour, an angel of God coming to him and saying, Cornelius, said, what is it, Lord? And then he said, your prayers and your arms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call Simon, whose surname is Peter. Do you understand this, Mangana? This man, right now, they are changing, don't worry. It's a sinner that we are acting. So now he's Cornelius. And this one is Peter. Peter was minding his business. In fact, at this time, Peter was even asleep. And Cornelius, he had been looking for God. And an angel came. Let me ask you. Peter and the angel, who has heard from God? Who is closer to the presence of God? Is it not the angel? So angel, if you have come, come and just tell me what God says. And let's finish the issue. Angel has come. Oh, Cornelius, you have done well. Your arms have come up to God. You are doing a good job. (laughs) Send some people to go and call Peter who is sleeping, who does not even know that uh, Gentiles are part of the whole story, and call him to come. And he'll come and tell you something. I don't know. Ah, You were standing there. Why did you not just tell him that God says I should tell you? No. He says go to Peter. And tell Peter to come and tell you. About. Do you know that when Peter went, he didn't even finish the story and the Holy Ghost arrived? Sure. So it means that the people now, they were already saved to crow. Yeah. Because if they are not saved, I don't know how they can receive Holy Ghost baptism. They received Holy Ghost baptism while he was still speaking. But for some reason, you and I don't know. God decided that Peter must be standing there preaching when it happens. Sure. So Lord, why did you not just go ahead? It's because we are not independent. It's because you and I cannot say that. Eh. Pastor, you see, let me bring it down. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Let me, let me bring it down to the church. Thank you, sir. Let me bring it down to the church. Daddy says, we're going to have fasting. This year, we are fasting every February. Hey, 
Amen. Me, I don't fast on Friday, I fast on Wednesday. Wait, are you in this church? Then if this church is there, your pastor, that's your Peter. That's your Abraham. That's your Moses. He says we are fasting. Why are you saying you won't fast? Hey. I don't want to ask your pastor whether when Reverend Eastwood calls, you go to Bulga. I, I, I don't want to ask him. I shouldn't bring it up. Yeah. Oh, maybe I, I can't go. I don't have transport. But you have transport to go where you want to go. <clears throat> you see, you were very happy about Peter, Cornelius, Abraham, who have been melancholy. Now that I'm talking about your matter, you have made your face. <laughs> don't worry. I didn't come to just preach Old Testament. Yeah. Jesus Christ, when he came on this earth, he was the son of God who had come and taken the form of a man to bring salvation unto us. And yet, he waited to go to John the Baptist's church for John the Baptist to baptize him. When John the Baptist saw him, he said, hey, please, I don't like trouble. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so for now. Why? Because God, Jesus knew that insofar as he has taken the shape of a man, God uses a man to bless men. Yeah. So even Jesus Christ was not independent. John the Baptist had said, there is somebody coming after me, the laces of whose shoes I am not qualified to tie. I am baptizing you with water. He will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus appeared, John the Baptist was ready to say, I'm handing open. Jesus said, you aren't doing anything like that. As I have come, I'm standing here for baptize, baptism. Baptize. Hey. Baptized, suffer it to be so for now. Why? Because in the affairs of man, God has ordained it that even though he is God, he will place a man somewhere and he will put that man in your life. Who are the people? God has put them in your life. How can you say you are independent? How can it be your pastor cannot call you? Hmm. How can it be? How can you be a singer? And you are singing a song he doesn't like. Eh, but do we all not just have freedom? Hey. <laughs> eh, we all have the spirit. Are we all not called? I'm giving you the speeches of people who are on their way into trouble. Yeah. Amen. Independence. And we are so independent that we are dying in the ministry. We are dying in the church. Paul converted Saul. He converted to Paul. After his Damascus experience, he became blind. He was talking to Jesus. Oh. And Jesus told him, go to the town, the place, and wait. And he now sent Ananias to him. Why didn't Jesus just heal him? Is it not Jesus? Even now, when we are looking for healing, is it not Jesus that we pray to? Why did he not just heal him? Why did he tell him to go there and wait? Waited in fasting three days. Before then, he now sent somebody, talk to Ananias, tell Ananias he should come, come and lay his hands. Oh, come on. We are not independent. I said, we are not independent. Fountain Gates, I don't know what you call uh, faith pastures. You are not independent. You are carrying the name pastures. That alone shows that you are connected to another passage. You are carrying the name Fountain Gate Chapel. Clearly, you belong somewhere and you have a root and you have something. Don't despise it. Hallelujah. 
don't despise it. Don't be independent. And your, your, your father has decided, I'm sending this my son. He's here. As he has been faithful, you also be faithful. Hey. Please, do I have five minutes? I'm ending soon. But I just want to open up this door so that you will accept that you are not independent. Amen. As I'm standing here this morning, I have permission to be here. Yeah. Permission number one. My father, spiritual father says, carry the books around. Permission number two. I won't just get up and say, eh, so my daddy says that I should go, so I'm going. Hey. Hey. Are you there? Yeah. I have to tell, ask my husband, please, I want to go to Sunyani. Hey, please, he said I should greet you. I forgot. I'm sorry. And I've delivered the message. Hallelujah. We are not independent of each other. Amen. The second and last point I want to share with you because I'm talking to you about the things that make us unfaithful. And I'm saying that it's in stages. Now, when you are an independent person, sooner or later, you will be offended. There are two kinds of offended people. Those who caused it themselves and those who offense came and found them. Uh-huh. Yeah, offense came and found you. So not that you did anything. Because either you have been offended before or you will be offended or you are going to be offended all the three at the same time. In scripture, Luke 17, 1 says, by all means, you'll be offended. Offense will surely come. Yeah. It says, woe unto those by whom it comes. That's not the one we are thinking about this morning. We are thinking about the fact that there is offense. Amen. And as I have moved around the churches, I have discovered that we have been talking to offended people. People are in the church and you are offended. I beg you, let go the offense. Hey, but what they did was not right. Please let me show you scripture, Matthew 24 and verse 10. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. If for nothing at all, just because of this scripture, let go your offense. Yeah, let go your offense. You don't want to be offended anymore. Can I show you one way by which you will never be offended on this earth again? One way, you will never ever, nothing will offend you again. Okay. Are you sure I should tell you? Okay, please die. If you ever go to the mortuary to go for a that it's very painful. As you're watching your loved one, they'll take them out of the freeze and hey, you are like oh but the dead body that is there, so if they feel the ice rock didn't fall off well, pick it again and they'll even be Ish. Hammer it off or throw the body again. But the body is dead. The offense is not felt. If you want to be a Christian who is never offended, please go home. We'll meet you when we come there. But insofar as <laughs> you are alive, you are here, there's blood running in your veins. Somebody will step on your toes. Somebody will pull your hair. Somebody will say something. Somebody will do something you don't like. Amen. Hey. Pastor Lisa, I don't know if it happens here. The ashes move me. They say, I can't sit here. They say, I can't sit here. They say, I'm going. Ah. This one is offended with this one. Listen, from today, make up your mind that you will heal. Because if you do not allow yourself to heal, you are going to become a monster. Yes. You, ah, here's the scripture. Jesus is speaking. Oh, 
Then shall many be offended. Are we not in the days when many in the church are offended? They are offended because you preach too long. Offended because you preach too short. When you give an example, they say it's them. From today, no. When pastor is preaching, and you see that the example is you, but you look straight, why? And just smile. Nobody will know that it's you. Because I don't know what example again we will use. Hey. <laughs> He <laughs> says you will be offended. Now, if you don't heal from the offense, you will betray your others. You betray, and people have betrayed Jesus. They thought that they were betraying the church. They thought that they were just fighting against one church. When they turned around and looked, it was the Lord. Yeah, it was the Lord. Paul, he was actually thinking he was working for God. So, killing people. When he woke up, it was Jesus. And people have risen up to say things and to do things and to stop people from coming. Oh, the church is not a good church. And so this and that have come to expose. Who called you? When you turn around, you discover that it's Jesus with whom we have to do. You know, things are not going right. We have to correct it. Things are not going right. It's because you are in the church. Where is perfect? Your house. Your way. This church, it was perfect till you came. So now... So now that you have come, just accept it. Because I came, it's not perfect. And don't be offended. Hallelujah. Make up your mind that you will not move out. Amen. Oh, I said amen. amen. You know, I want to end with a very quick story. Many years ago, you know, I'm a full-time pastor. I have worked in the secular world and I've done lay pastoring. And about 18 years ago, 18, 19 years ago, I had my first stint in full-time ministry. I was enjoying myself and my father sacked me. And when my father sacked me, I was offended. But I was not only offended with him, I was more offended with somebody who I felt, you see, when the issue is coming, somebody adds firewood and petrol to your case. And the thing now, oh, small fire bill. Now God done it a jacket. Hey! Before I was aware. Are you here? I was offended. Remember I told you that. And you see, I was offended. I was sacked because he had asked me to do something. I didn't do those things. So, sometimes you are the cause and you are offended. Sometimes you are not the cause and you are offended. Hey! And I came back. I was in Tamale. And you know, I, I'm, unfortunately, I have to tell you that the devil comes to church. Mm. He comes to church. He's a regular attender. He's more regular than you. Mm-hmm. So as I came back, I was not doing anything in church. I was just there and I was sitting down there one Sunday. Praise and worship was going on. That day, the devil came to church. And when he came, he started talking. Useless. Wow. Can you not see? Your children are working. They are doing everything. You alone. Wow. God has no use of Hey. So full. I realize that if I don't rise up and leave this offense, something bad will happen to me. Have you ever wanted to be in another church? Oh, me, I considered it. Uh, if I ask you now, you won't put your hand up, but me, I considered it. I'm talking about how many years ago. But I realized that if I left, well, my husband is a pastor in the church. My children are also in the church. <laughs> Who will I fellowship with? That's why who your friends are is so important. If you have the kind of friends who, eh, oh my, they, they did the same thing to you, eh? Brother, it's not a good place. Let's go. You'll be out. You'll be out. 
And so here I was. I had come to this point in my life where I felt so totally destroyed. I had no job because I had left to go on full time. I had nothing to do in the church and I was just there. I need to say to you that the day you find yourself sitting in the church doing nothing, I have a scripture for you. <laughs> Can I give you that scripture? Turn with me. Second Kings 7 verse 3. Second Kings 7 3. These lepers were talking. Second Kings 7 verse 3. 1, 2, 3. And he said... Ah, there were four lepers. You see, when you have come to the place where things are not well with you, and many times in the church, there are lepers. The lepers are the people with whom things are not, for whom things are not going well right now. Pastor is not so happy with this group or with that group. Four lepers. And they were there sitting at the gate, and they said to one another, Why sit we here until we die? When you stop doing things because of offense, do you know that you are dying? You are dying. You are dying. You are a wife. You say, I won't sleep with him again. That's your husband. I won't go to bed with him again because I'm offended. I won't cook for him again. Your marriage is dying. I say, your marriage is dying. I won't call again. I won't talk to pastor again. That's your spiritual life dying. And if you remain there, you will actually die. To make it worse, we all know the words of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us as we forgive others. You don't let it go. You don't forgive. Yours too is not forgiven. Hey! So as the Lord began to show me these things, I began to say, Lord, help me. And that was when he gave me one scripture. I want to leave you, hallelujah, this morning with the scripture that will heal you. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. Matthew 5:44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. I mean, they are your enemies, whether we can take it how you like. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. The bottom is what I'm looking for. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Somebody has hurt you. This is your scripture to heal. Pray for them. Not about the issue. Pray for them. As you pray for them, the poison of offense is removed from your spirit. As I sat there in my midnight, you know, I am a choleric sanguine person. I don't know how to be depressed. Up until that time in my life, I had never experienced depression. But I got to a stage where I was telling God that, God, I want to go home. And every night I would pray, I would say, Jesus, I will see you in heaven. And every morning I open my eyes and I'm back here and say, Abba, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke. I remember one night Bishop Saki called me, our bishop's assistant, and he said, why are you awake at this time? I said, Bishop, you know that I cannot sleep. And he said, one day you will thank God for this experience that you are going through. When I put the phone down, I thought to myself, what is he thinking about? Do you know what you are saying? But today I have, I have come to see that what he said was true because I have used exactly this example in place after place after place to say, listen, you must heal. And as I began to pray for the gentleman who had added the firewood, because that's where my offense was. Hey! The first day of prayer was not easy. Lord, bless him. The Holy Ghost said, what, what kind of prayer is that? 
He said, <laughs> so is that how you pray for your children? Pray for him well. So I started. Lord bless him. You see, as I started to pray, I began to cry. I felt like I was two people. One half of me was saying, Lord, I pray for his job. The other half of me was saying, Lord, let the job small. One half of me was saying, Lord, let his marriage be good. The other half of me was saying, mm. But you know, the first day the tears were not. The next day the tears were fewer. The third day the tears were fewer. I persisted. After a while, as I'm telling you, I don't even remember what the firewood was that was added. The Lord removed the poison. Heal. I said, heal. You are offended in the church with the Omarko leader. Pray for her. It will remove the poison. Every day, pray for her. You are offended with the leader of the choir because every day they don't give you the microphone to do the solo. We are TSA, talented solo artists here. Who here? Please pray for the leader every day. Remove the head. But if you just make up your mind that you won't go. From the day when I saw this and I healed, I said to myself, nothing will remove me from my spiritual father. Hallelujah. I said, the day he's even angry. What father does not get angry? The day he, he's even angry, he says, go away. Hey, has your father, your biological father not been angry with you before? When they suck you from the house, just sit down on the steps. As they are going out, they'll see you. As they are passing, they'll see you. As they are going, they'll see you. Six o'clock, night is coming. They open it. Where is that foolish? No, I go inside. End of story. It's over. Oh, I said, hallelujah. Yeah. I'm finishing. I know a driver who decided I cannot be sacked. When they are leaving the house, he's at the gate, sitting there. When they are coming back, sitting there. When they are going, sitting there. When they are coming, sitting there. They, they look. Just, just, just come back. Just come back. Hallelujah. May we not leave the house of God. If you are here, God has ordained it for you to be here. He has ordained it for you to be faithful to God. He has given you your man of God through whom he is working. Stay here. Stay here. I said stay here. And when you are here, stay here faithfully. Not that you are here talking behind his back. But that is another message. God bless you. Please stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning and just bow down your head. I just want you to pray for yourself. Thank you for listening to Lady Reverend Dr. Joy Bruce. We believe you have had an encounter that will change your life. Keep listening to messages by Lady Reverend Dr. Joy Bruce of the First Love Church, Ehidiasi. For more information, live video messages and updates, please visit our Facebook page, Dr. Joy Bruce. God bless you.